Uninformed immigrants are at a huge disadvantage in court, in financial and legal matters, and also sometimes in life. Well, what can we do about it? I'll tell you what. We can train, teach, inspire, and empower immigrants to maximize their lives regardless of their immigration status. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. I am your immigration lawyer and host, Otis Landerholm, and this is the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. On this episode, we're going to see an episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live, which is a webcast that I do every Thursday on Facebook and on YouTube for the immigrant community. If you have any immigrant questions or immigration questions, feel free to join us on Thursday for the next one. And for now, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome. Happy Thursday, the 28th of October. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live. I'm so happy to be with you here today. It's a beautiful Thursday afternoon in the San Francisco Bay Area. I am specifically in Oakland, California. Really happy to be with you. I am Otis Landerholm. I am the founding attorney of Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. And so welcome, welcome and thank you for being here. At the Empowered Immigrant Live, we are here to train, to teach, to inspire, and to empower immigrants to make the most out of immigration law and to make the most out of their lives. And so really, thank you and welcome, and I appreciate you being here with me today. Today, our topic, today our topic is what should I do if I lose before USCIS? All right, remember last week we talked about what do I do if I lose in immigration court. This week we're talking about what do I do if I lose in front of USCIS, okay? It can be stressful, and uh, and we got to talk about it. And so thank you. Thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you for everyone who asked your questions. As always, we've got 30 minutes. We'll discuss this topic in English, and then we'll do this episode in Spanish. Así que si si usted habla español... Pues que venga en unos 30 minutos y lo vamos a hacer ahí. Okay? So, but for now, before we get to the questions, we want to discuss the basics. Okay? So remember, if you have lost before USCIS, I'm sorry to hear it, first of all, but it typically means that you've applied for some kind of immigration benefit. Maybe you applied for asylum. Maybe you applied for a green card. Maybe you applied for DACA or for citizenship or whatever it is. And now USCIS disagreed. They said no. All right? Now, when they said no, you know, they typically gave you some kind of explanation. All right? Maybe they said no because there's not enough evidence at this time. All right? Maybe they said no because, no, you're barred. You're not eligible. Maybe they said no because you are deportable and they're going to start deportation proceedings against you. All right? Maybe they said no just because you didn't fully comply with some aspect of the process, like you didn't show up for an interview or something. It's important to be aware. All right? It's important to be aware of what was the reason, what was the cause of the denial, what's the rationale for denying the case from the immigration office. 
because you want to read it, all right? You want to go over it, and that can help your lawyer. That can help you decide what the best option is going forward, all right? So then what? Well, first of all, you will want to meet with your lawyer. You'll want to go over why they denied your benefit so that you can get clear on what the best strategy is. And here's the thing. Sometimes USCIS is incorrect. Sometimes they got it wrong. Got it? And so it's like, you know, just because they denied something doesn't mean they're right. Um, and it doesn't mean they're wrong either, right? You want to look at it carefully. You want to see their analysis and see what they're saying. And sometimes you can, you can do things to fix it. So there's several options, all right? There's a lot of different options. For example, option number one, you could appeal. If they deny your case, you can appeal. Uh, typically, an appeal in front of USCIS goes to an office called the AAO, which is the Administrative Appeals Office. Or in some instances, the denial by USCIS can be appealed straight to the BIA, to the Board of Immigration Appeals. For example, if it's an I-130 denial, okay, a, petition, a denial of a petition. Option two is you file a motion to reconsider or a motion to reopen, all right? And that is done on Form I-290B, okay? Um, and actually, now that I think about it, um, the appeal, in some instances, is also done on the Form I-290B, all right? So that's uh, something to be aware of. It's a, it's a good form. Option number three, when USCIS denies a case, is you could refile your whole case again in some instances, all right? Now, don't just, don't just do that without thinking it through, but sometimes the best strategy is, hey, you know, USCIS denied it based on the, the issue at the time, but now, you, you know, maybe you had a challenge to show your case back then, but maybe now you have a different situation. So maybe now you can refile your case. You know, sometimes that happens. If you filed your case while you were on probation, for example, in the, especially in the case of citizenship applications, maybe you filed your case, you were on probation for something, and they denied it on quote-unquote good moral character grounds. Well, if you wait a certain amount of time, you can refile your whole case, you can win. Okay, or maybe you can refile with additional evidence and win. Option number four, you can refile a different type of case if you're eligible for something else, if you've got some plan B. And option five is you could do nothing. And sometimes it's really the best option. Just do nothing, especially if you weren't really eligible for the benefit that you sought from the beginning, all right? And if you're not eligible for anything else at the moment, okay? So, but before doing any of those things, please, please get good, sound legal advice, all right? And if you're not happy with the previous lawyer that, or office or whatever that was representing, which, you know, sometimes that causes your case to be denied. If that happened, you know, then look, find a different lawyer. Okay? But really, before deciding what to do, get good, sound legal advice. And yes, you want to do it quick, all right? If you got a decision denying your case, you typically have 30 days, all right, to decide and to figure out what you're going to do. Um, you know, if you're going to refile or something, maybe it's not so time sensitive, but... Uh, but the best advice is to not, don't, don't be slow about it, all right? Be diligent about it, okay? So now, that's it. 
All right, that's it. So let's get into your questions. And really, thanks to everyone who asked questions, and thanks to everybody who's here with me. All right? So, uh, so welcome if you're just tuning in. Again, I'm Otis Landerholm. Happy to be with you here. We're here on the Empowered Immigrant Live, and we're talking about USCIS cases. What do you do if USCIS denied your case? And so the first question is from Lalo. All right, Lalo asks, hey, if I want to have a fiancé visa for my wife, he asks, what's the cost? And if I decide to stay and retire after six months with her, can she still be given citizenship even if we both live in Colombia after six months of being married? All right, Lalo, thank you for your question. That's a great question. It's not about losing at USCIS, but it's still a great question, all right? So here's the thing for you to know, and for anybody that's out there, you're thinking about getting married to someone um, in, uh, in a different country, all right? Fiancé visas and the fiancé visa process are much more complex than they should be, all right? I wish that they were simple. They are not simple. They involve four big steps. What are they? Number one, the fiancé petition. Number two, the visa interview. So Lalo, in your case, it'll be at the U.S. consulate in Colombia. Number three, she's got to enter the U.S., and then you get married. You get married within 90 days. And number four, you file for her green card and her adjustment of status once she's here. All right? Those are the four big steps for the fiancé process. All right? And so, of course, the other option, Lalo, is to not do it as a fiancé and instead just fly to Colombia and go get married. All right? You fly to Colombia, you get married right now, you could do it as a spousal petition, which is a different process. It's got three steps. We've got other videos that explain that process. My point is, Lalo, this is great. I recommend you get good advice about it, right? Like talk it through. Talk it through with your fiance. Talk it through with the lawyer. Decide which option is best for you. There are pros and cons about the fiance case and about the spousal case. We've got a whole video that explains uh, that. You can search for that in our YouTube uh, channel. Um, but, uh, but anyway, you'll, you know, it'll be a great case. I'd love to meet with you and talk to you about it in more detail if you have that question, you know, if you'd like to. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, that's, I wanted to explain that. Okay, great. Our second question today comes from Ramesh. Uh, Ramesh, thank you for your question. Your question is, I received a letter from the Department of Homeland Security, the I-797C Notice of Action. And my green card number is printed on this letter. What does it mean? Okay, Ramesh, thank you. That's a great question. That's a great question. To answer that question, the, the real answer is I'm not sure. All right, and here's why. The I-797C, it's a, it's a form, all right? It's a, it's a um, notice that the government sends out. It's called uh, I-797C Notice of Action. It's just a general title. It's a general title. And so, Ramesh, the first thing to do is to look carefully at your notice of action. Look carefully at it. See what type of notice it is. Okay? And so, uh, when you do that, you'll see a section. It's in the upper part of the form, and it might say receipt notice. If you've submitted something, now they're giving you proof. It's like your receipt. It might say interview notice, if now you've got an interview. It might say transfer notice, if they've transferred it to a different service center, for example. 
It might say appointment notice, or in some, in sometimes it might say rejection notice. All right. So you want to pay clear, careful attention to what type of I-797C it is, what type of notice it is. If you have questions about it, read it with your immigration lawyer so that you have no doubts about it. And then an immigration lawyer can, you know, give you, uh, you know, good advice about how to handle it and what to do next. Okay? So look it over, Ramesh, and if you still have questions, um, you know, feel free to give my office a call. You know, schedule a consultation. We can look at it together. Okay? Um, awesome. And then uh, the next question comes from Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth says, if I have TPS from El Salvador, do I have to register for TPS again? And so, great question, Elizabeth. Great, great question. So, the answer is no, you don't. All right? If the question is, do you have to register for TPS again? No, you do not. All right? So, everybody with TPS, hear me out. If you have TPS from El Salvador, from Haiti, from Honduras, Nepal, Nicaragua, and Sudan... It will be automatically extended by operational law. It is automatically extended through December 31st of 2022. So you got a little over a year, a little over a year and two months, okay? And you don't have to do anything. Your, uh, your um, TPS employment authorization document automatically extends through December 31st of 2022. Elizabeth, I hope that that clarified that. That was the announcement that came out on the 10th of September, all right? So last month, that, that announcement came out. So people with TPS, you got, you've got another year and a couple months where uh, you, you have certainty that your TPS is extended at least through that. All right. Now, if I, uh, you know, those were the questions that I got before our presentation. I see there was a couple of other ones here. So I'll answer those too. And then if you're listening and you got a question, hey, submit it. You know, I'll do what I can to answer it. So um, there's a question that we've gotten, and it is from Ritu. All right, let me, uh, kind of, I'm kind of looking at a separate screen here. So Ritu, you said, I wanted to know what is the current year and month that U visas are getting processed, and if there is a backlog, how many years? Is there any way to expedite the process? Okay, great. So, um, so Ritu, thank you for asking that question. The, uh, the answer, let's see, the last U visa approval that we got, all right, was a case, we got the approval recently, I think two weeks ago, and that case was submitted in early 2016, okay? So right now it's the 28th of October. A couple weeks ago, we got a U visa that was approved, and it, would, it had been submitted in early 2016, Okay, and so, uh, so there you go. I, I don't know if that answers that question, uh, but it only partially answers it. That's the current year and month-ish, you know, maybe by April 2016 or so. But here's the thing, you know, the fiscal year has started um, starting uh, October 1st is the new fiscal year. So theoretically, U visas can start being adjudicated, all right? And they're allowed to adjudicate 10,000 U visas per year. And they are starting on 2016, but the backlog's enormous, okay? So, so Ritu, to answer your question, the backlog is enormous. There are 150,000 U visas, more than 150,000 U visas waiting. 
which 150,000 U visas at 10,000 per year, that's a 15-year backlog. Got it? Now, there's a lot of factors there. If, you know, imagine a few thousand of those will get denied instead of approved. So the law allows people to approve, the government to approve 10,000, not just adjudicate them. So, but right now, there's 150,000 U visas, more than that, actually, currently pending. So the backlog's enormous. The best advice for people with U visas is get them on file as soon as you can. Also, they've now, you know, we did a video about this a couple months back explaining the new uh, bona fide determination work permit option for people with pending U visas. So get your U visa on file, you'll get work authorization during the process sooner than was ever the case in the past. And so, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. All right, my next question, which I think is my last one for now, was submitted, uh, let's see, um, they said that the case was resolved. Uh, this is tricky. I think this is Fior, all right? You say, hola, abogado. You say, hello from New Jersey. Fior, thank you so much for your uh, comment, all right? Thank you for being with, with me. The next one is from Kathy. Kathy says, what about they said, what if they said that the case was resolved and how is it resolved? It's in writing, but on comments, there's no explanation. There's just a signature. All right, Kathy, I am not sure is the honest answer. I would say, let's look at it. All right. Typically, when, when a case is denied, they'll give a long written explanation. If it's approved, often they don't. Okay. All right, we're getting some more questions here. Hey, I appreciate it. All right, so Dwayne, thank you for your question. You say, how do I apply for my citizenship? I have a 10-year green card. So great, Dwayne, thank you so much. How long have you had that 10-year green card? Because to apply for citizenship, you've got to either have had your green card for five years already, or you can apply sooner if you're living in marital union with a U.S. citizen, okay? So, but if you've had it for at least five years, great, yeah, you can apply for citizenship. And how to do that? Well, I recommend doing it with a lawyer. My office would love to help you if that makes sense for you. Uh, you don't have to do it that way, though. You know, the way to do it is on Form N-400, all right? And uh, the USCIS.gov is the website to check it out. You do not have to pay anything to download the form. It's the N-400. It's a long, I think it's a 14-page form now. And they ask all kinds of details. And you just want to be cautious and careful that the way you fill it out, you want to make sure you're 100% eligible for citizenship. You know, you're, there's no problem with your green card. There's no, um, you know, no, no underlying uh, inadmissibility or deportability issues, right? No arrests, things like that. Um, and so, you know, my best advice is to really consult with an immigration attorney beforehand. And if that makes sense for you, Dwayne, Give me a call. Give my office a call. We'd love to help you. All right. And my last question of the day comes from, I think it is Levin. All right. So Levin, hello. Your question is, I have an approved I-130 and I'm currently in removal proceedings. My I-765 has been pending since April 9th of 2021 and my I-485 is administratively closed. 
will I still get my green card or will I still get my EAD card? My next court date is February 23rd. All right, Levin, thank you so much for this question. The answer is no, you won't. All right, no, you won't. I'm sorry that that's the answer, but that is the answer. Why? Because your I-485 is admin closed. If your I-485 is admin closed, typically you will not get, well, gosh, am I, I hope I'm not wrong about that. I could research that. If you, if you really want to get into it, it's like, okay, if USCIS had, has administratively closed the I-485, can you still get a work permit based on the I-485? That's what's at issue here. What you need to do is you need to file a, well, now that you have your approved I-130, if you're in removal proceedings, what you need to do is you need to terminate the removal case so that you get jurisdiction back in front of USCIS, and then you can get your EAD card. Okay? I hope that that makes sense. I believe that that is the right, the right strategy in your situation. We'd need to, like, really look at your case to to verify that that is the best strategy, but we've had cases in similar processes, and that's the thing to do. You terminate in court, and you adjudicate in front of USCIS. And so your next question, Levin, is, okay, what about prosecutorial discretion in immigration court? And so that's the, that's the issue, right? You ask for termination in court, that is under their prosecutorial discretion so that you can adjust in front of USCIS. Now you say you have a felony, all right, and it was seven years ago. So that will depend on where in the country you are, and that will depend on, you know, lots of other different things that I won't get into right now, but, you know, what exactly happened that, what exactly was that felony, right? And so, um, you know, it's going to depend on the ICE officer, right, who's deciding whether or not to grant your prosecutorial discretion case and now, if you're not eligible, if you're not eligible for prosecutorial discretion, then, hey, maybe you're going to have to do your adjustment of status in front of the judge. All right? And you can do that. If you have questions, you've got a very specific, I love your type of case. I love complex cases. All right? And so, Levin, if you, if you, uh, if you want, I would love it. I would love it if you called my office and, and let, us, let us help you. All right. Um, Dwayne, you asked what is the cost for the N-400. Let me get that for you. Bear with me. Uh, every once in a while, you know, every once in a while, you got you to gotta just look up the fee, right? Um, well, okay, so it is $725. All right, I used to have that on my mind. You know, I just used to know them all, but then they changed them all, and you know, every once in a while. It's always good to check anyway because you hate to say something that's inaccurate, all right? So it's $640 plus the $85 biometrics fee, a total of $725 is the current fee to file for naturalization as of today's date, the 28th of October of 2021, all right? Cool, Levin, you say you're going to call me. Hey, thanks so much. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Cool, you guys. Hey, um, you know, it's 224. I wanted to tell you a story. I want to, I want to, I want to tell you a story. Does that work? <laughs> uh, humor me. Let me tell you a story. So here's the deal. All right. Once I had a client who was denied a U visa. All right. But it wasn't just his U visa that was denied. 
Um, and it wasn't our client before, you know, he was, he was denied with a different office. And he came, he, had, he came into my firm, all right, and he had, so it wasn't just his U visa, his wife and his three daughters were all derivatives of his U visa, and USCIS denied it. And so it's like, well, gosh, what should you do when USCIS denies your case? Like, what should he do? Should he reopen? Should he appeal? Should he refile? Should he give up? He and his wife, are they came into my office. They're crying, all right, because they're nervous, because USCIS just denied their U visas for their whole family, all right? And here's the thing. After reviewing it, it was in error, USCIS messed up, all right? They, they messed it up. And so here's the thing. We pointed out that it was an error. They had actually submitted the evidence, all right? They had submitted the evidence. USCIS said, no, we, you never submitted all this stuff. Yes, they had. We appealed the case. He won. Now he has a green card for himself and his family. Got it? It's like, now let me ask you, why did he even hire us to begin with? Well, I mean, you don't know him, but why did he care? Why did, did, he, did he care about his U visa? Yeah, sort of. But what's this about, really? All right? He hired us because he loves his wife. He loves his daughters. He wants his family to have documents to be able to stay together. That's what this is about. And here's the thing, he could have just given up. He could have just given up. Nope, USCIS says I'm not eligible for my U visa. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't just give up. Like, get good advice. Make, you know, make a good decision about what you want to do to move forward, about what you should do, what you can do. Sometimes it's not that you're eligible. Sometimes USCIS gets it wrong. Got it? So if, if you lost your case, do not give up. There are options. There are things that can be done. Get good advice and keep fighting. You're fighting for yourself. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for your life. All right? So that's it. That's all we have time for today. Thank you all so much for being with me. Um, and if I haven't answered your question, hey, I still will. All right, I still will. Like, send it to me. I'll, I'll answer it. But please hit the notifications bell, right? Please subscribe to our channel. Hey, if this is useful to you, please subscribe to our channel here in YouTube. Okay? And if you've got an additional question, send it over. You know, click the notifications bell and you'll get notified when I do a video about it. And if you have an immigration case, please give us a call. Like, we're here to help. Okay? That's it. That's it. Thank you all so much. Again, my name is Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney here at Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. If you like what you heard, and if you want to learn more, please go to landerholmimmigration.com forward slash podcast.